0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
1: And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, we have kicked off the Advent season as we celebrate Christmas this month. And I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 9 in verses 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David, and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it, with judgment judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Well, we rejoice in this Advent season as we prepare to celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we hope that uh, in your home that you're focused on Christ this Christmas season. We're going to talk about a piece of legislation that's called the Never Alone Act. It's House Bill 236, It was sponsored by State Representative Melanie Miller and State Representative Beth Lear. It is legislation that is desperately needed. You know, the Bible says that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Lord has given us that promise. But we do need the companionship of fellowship of other believers and of family members and of loved ones, especially in a time of illness. Well, during the COVID shutdowns, there was a terrible tragedy that took place in the state of Ohio. That tragedy was that our elderly and our most vulnerable and those in hospitalization, they were cut off from their family members, from advocates, from husbands, from wives, from wives, from husbands, from uh, parents, from their children, all because of the COVID shutdown. When government tries to do something that they think would be for the good of people, they actually create such more of a tragedy. So it was during the COVID shutdown. Many of you listening to my voice right now in this program, you know what I speak of. Maybe you had an elderly parent in a nursing home or an assisted living care facility and was not able to communicate with them in person. And maybe they have dementia. Maybe they were hard of hearing. And they didn't understand why no one was coming in, no family members. I experienced that with my own mother who was in a nursing home. We would, Mom received visitors uh, several times a week. And uh, sometimes every day, the facility there where she was at, but when the COVID shutdown took place, there was no going in to see mom. We had to stand at a window, and she couldn't understand why we weren't coming in. She was suffering dementia, and uh, we were trying to communicate with her, and at that time, she couldn't even speak on the phone. uh, And it was so heart-rendering as to why she thought we, we didn't care for her. So was it with so many people who suffered through that COVID shutdown. We, as the Ohio Christian Alliance, made an appeal to government, to Governor DeWine directly, and saying to the governor, let us go in and see our parents. Let us go in and see our loved ones. And I actually strongly reprimanded the, government, the governor by saying, I never thought that government would keep me from fulfilling the commandments of God, which is the fifth commandment with promise, honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long upon the earth. Well, the governor heard that letter. I mean, I didn't make friends with the governor, but that was not my intent. My intent was that he would open up the facilities. He had the power to do so. Within about 10 days' time of the release of that letter that was public to the uh, governor of the state of Ohio, Mike DeWine, uh, the governor did make an announcement that he would allow limited visitation for us and our loved ones in the facilities. And I, I remember the precious moment I was able to meet with my mother again. And, you know, it was uh, those of you who have suffered uh, with loved ones with dementia, you know they have good days and bad days. This is one of mom's good days. She had clarity of mind. I explained everything to her that the COVID pandemic was similar to the Spanish Uh, Flu pandemic and all that. She could understand all that, and and we had a wonderful time of visitation. And I thank God for that. But there were so many that weren't able to be at bedside, even in the final moments of their loved ones passing. Well, House Bill 236, it's called the Never Alone Act, and it's critical that we pass this legislation. I have with me on the phone a board member of the Ohio Christian Alliance, and you know him as Live with Pastor Al, Pastor Al Davis. Pastor, welcome to the program.
2: Well, thank you, Chris. Good to be on with you today.
1: Well, thank you, Pastor, and I know this is near and dear to your heart, as you had nursing home uh, ministry with uh, the church, Richfield Bible Baptist Church, and you folks were shut out from the facilities of going in and ministering, as you do on Sundays, and uh, you've also had congregants that you were trying to get in and minister to. Even ministers couldn't go in and see people. I mean, it was a real tragedy that government was thrusting upon all of us. Your thoughts?
2: Oh, absolutely, Chris. I mean, I myself went into the hospital in January uh, 2021 with COVID. And for five days, the only people I saw was the hospital staff that came in, you know, to take care of me, whatever they had to do, draw blood or administer medications or deliver a food tray or take out the trash. That's the only place my wife, who's a registered nurse, was not even allowed to come in and see me. Um, Now, that was my experience. And then, of course, I also dealt with a a veteran. And this man was a paratrooper in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. And in his latter days, he was in the hospital alone. The best I was able to do was try to communicate with him over the telephone. And even then, he was unresponsive. I, to this day, have no idea whether he heard me or not. And and I know many people listening can share and uh, relate to those experiences, uh, in all of these cases, whether it was my personal case or this, this uh, gentleman, this veteran, uh, it was a case that the shutdown basically put us in isolation and uh, unable to receive comfort, unable to receive visits from family, from friends, from, from clergy members. As a pastor, I could not go in to see anyone. As a family member, I could not go in to see anyone. And uh, this is something that, that could ha- happen again, couldn't it? Well, that's
1: exactly right. And uh, two years ago, you and I testified on a bill that State Representative Gary Click introduced, and it was a legislation that was going to allow for uh, hospital visitation. Even at that time, they were still restricting visitation. Uh, And this Mm -hmm. was in, um, uh, this is late in 2021, heading towards 2022. They were still restricting access to uh, facilities. In fact, uh, there was a state representative who was also a minister, and he stopped the committee and said, Mr. Chairman, I have to testify. Uh, I just went in to try to meet with one of my congregants, and if I didn't know the hospital administrator, uh, this man was dying, and they were asking me to go in and pray with him, serve him last rites, and I couldn't even get in uh, unless I had this uh, okay by the, the hospital administrator. He said, this bill is absolutely needed. Well, that bill passed the Ohio House, and it was a simple you know, guarantee of visitation of a family member, or a loved one, or a clergyman um, during a time of crisis. It died in the Ohio Senate. Matt Huffman, the Senate president, uh, we're going to point that out, did not bring it up, did not pass it, and so we don't have this legislation enacted. And I know that you and I, Pastor, were talking about that. We were shocked and stunned with Gary Click advised us about that. I know that you were asking me, and I said, well, I assumed that it became law. Never assume. Remember the old adage? And Mm -hmm. I I assumed that it did. I talked to uh, Gary Click. We were on the uh, phone together in a little conference call with him. And I learned that. I'll tell you, I was steaming mad. And and, and this is a Republican Senate president, Matt Huffman, who stopped it. So this bill has to happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to go some audio clips from testimony from the sponsors. The new bill is called the Never Alone Act, House Bill 236. And I want to go to State Representative Melanie Miller as she gave sponsored testimony. She actually serves on that committee. Her co-sponsor was Beth Lear. Let's hear from Melanie Miller. She presents before the, the committee on House Bill 236, the Never Alone Act.
3: Health Provider Services Committee, we'd like to thank you for the opportunity for Rep Lear and I to present our sponsored testimony on House Bill 236 which is called the Never Alone Act. It is our privilege to bring forward this patient rights bill. Honestly, this bill has truly been a labor of love for both of us. We started with a very simple idea and we have worked diligently over the summer bringing interested parties together to get feedback and input. And after many meetings and discussions, hard work and a lot of listening, We are confident that this bill is better than when we started, which is why we introduced a sub-bill today. This bill, the Never Alone Act, House Bill 236, is simple and straightforward. We want to ensure that no patient is ever left alone when they're facing a vulnerable health situation. Over the last three years, we have gained a heightened awareness Of the need for legislation that protects the right of a patient to have access to a loved one or advocate to act on behalf of their best interest while in a hospital or a care facility we have heard heartbreaking story after heartbreaking story of the many ohioans who had died alone staffing shortages and severe inpatient facility protocols have left thousands of Ohioans without the attention they desperately needed, and even worse, many saw their life end in a cold empty room without a familiar voice or a hand to hold. For example, a first time mom was forced to deliver her newborn baby alone without a significant other or a spouse allowed in the delivery room. An elderly parent with dementia in an assisted living facility was only allowed to see his loved one through an outside window. Many Ohio families were shut out of a hospital room due to COVID while their loved ones died alone in a hospital room. We hope that this necessary and needed legislation will ensure that individuals and families will never again be left alone and facing a health crisis.
1: We can never allow that to happen again in this state and hopefully in the country where loved ones were left alone in care facilities at their final moments without anyone at their side holding their hand. I have my own uh, story about my mother who uh, did have COVID. She recovered from that, but then she was so weakened by the condition she did eventually die within a few days. Uh, she was 91 years of age. She was a dependent diabetic. She had uh, advanced dementia. Uh, thankfully, my daughter and my son, who both had had COVID and had recovered, had immunities, and my daughter is a critical care nurse, was able to go inside. The doctor was advising that my wife and I, who are you know in the vulnerable age bracket, not go in. I was going to go in. But uh, Anna said, I'll be in there, Dad. You go to the window, and I'll I'll get Mom to talk to you through the window. And I did have a precious time with my mother uh, a a few days before she died, right through the window. And she was, clear again, clear of mind, being able to communicate with me. And it was a precious moment. I thank God for that. But thankfully, my daughter was able to be with her at her side. Now, part of that was because she was in hospice at that point. And they allowed her to go in, a family member at that point, uh, to go in and to be by her bedside. But for so many, Pastor Al, they died alone early on in that pandemic. They didn't allow anybody in. And again, there was no advocate. We didn't know if they were receiving proper medical care. And in my mother's facility, they were struck hard by COVID. It was a small family uh, nursing home. Uh, they didn't have all the best facilities. They they treated the patients well. but then. Most of the staff, and I mean most of the staff, got COVID all at once. They had a critical crisis. And one night on a Saturday night, I said to my wife, I said, I I don't know. I feel uneasy. I'm going over there to see what's going on. And only to find out one nurse, I'm pounding on the doors. Nobody's answering. And here to find out one um, nurse, and she wasn't even a normal nurse, they had to bring her in because everybody else was sick with COVID, I guess. And she had 36 patients for one nurse, all in critical care. Pastor Al, we could never allow that to happen again. I did have to call the, the health, uh, state health department on them, and they descended on that facility. I don't often, in fact, never do I ever ask anything of government for myself, folks. You've got to know that as the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. But there were so many people in that facility uh, ailing and hurting and, and were alone with understaffed and the, and I couldn't get a hold of the leadership of the hospital I called uh Lieutenant Governor uh, uh John Houston and they descended like an army in that place cuz remember the governor announced that they would bring in the National Guard if uh facilities needed extra medical teams and so all of that came in we had no intention of suing the facility or anything like that but wanted to make sure that they had the the, uh, the care and the facilities of the state at the time, and that that was uh, that did come in on Monday, but that was a Saturday night and Monday morning they just descended like an army on that facility. But again, all that to say, all the protocol of keeping us away from our mother for a year didn't keep COVID out of the facility because because ninety percent of the facility, when COVID came, it ran through that facility. So again, the stumbling and bumbling of government. Pastor, all your thoughts
2: and chris i would agree with you on that and the being understaffed during the height of covid because everybody was being struck down with it and quite honestly a lot of people it was new people didn't know what was going to happen and you know my wife having been involved in nursing home facilities for many years and and having visited in there you know through our church for many years you know i it's a sad thing to say i hate to say it but Nursing, Most nursing homes at best are usually understaffed in the good times. And so when COVID struck, the story that you related about the facility where your mother was located, I'm sure it has played out hundreds and hundreds of times, if not thousands of times around this state and around this nation during that time. And it, it's just a travesty that in our country, a, a developed country like the United States of America, that we had to force the sick among us, the elderly, the vulnerable, force them into isol- into solitary confinement. Terrible. And you know James said in James chapter five, verse fourteen, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him,
4: Amen. anointing
2: him with oil in the name of the Lord. And you know, this is something that we as clergy are called to do as well. It's it's a biblical mandate. And you know, right. Jesus said that naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And that's in Matthew 25, 36. And that term visited means more than just came and said hello. It it means that you came and you cared for me. And, you know, many times to have a loved one there, a family member, even a pastor that's there that can go get a, just get a cup of water for a bedbound patient, or right. maybe assist them in 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 getting to the toilet or something. It can save a lot of time that that the nurses and the nurses aides need for other patients. And when there's nobody there, you know that story that you told just just it just it's it's a it's a heartbreaking story. Yes. Uh, I can just see that poor nurse there with thirty some patients and running ragged trying to provide at least a a small amount of care for everybody and worried that she's going to get sick herself. Yes, we do have to do something, don't we?
1: We do. Never alone. House Bill 236. Let's listen to Representative Beth Lear as she gives testimony, sponsored testimony on House Bill 236.
5: First of all, what is the purpose of the bill? We simply want to ensure no one is forced to suffer or die alone ever again. To facilitate this, we created a bill to require congregate care settings to allow each patient or resident to designate an advocate. Who can be an advocate? The bill defines an advocate for a patient or resident as a spouse, family member, companion, guardian, parent, legal custodian, or health care power of attorney. When working with interested parties, we were informed of an increase in assaults on healthcare staff during COVID. So part of the sub-bill includes exceptions to who can be an advocate, specifically prohibiting anyone who physically obstructs health care to which a patient has consented or who engages in criminal behavior towards employees. In this situation, a patient or resident is able to designate an alternate advocate. Where will this bill be applicable? Congregate care settings will be affected, and those include nursing homes, hospitals, county or district homes, recovery housing, veterans' homes, and residential facilities. A change in the sub-bill ensures hospice patients' residences are not included.
1: That was State Representative Beth Lear, the co-sponsor of the Never Alone Act. I'd like to go to a quick clip right now with Dr. Malik, a psychologist who talked about the importance of advocate care of those in uh, nursing homes and hospitals. Let's go to Dr. Malik.
4: I am providing testimony today in my role as a psychologist with a doctorate and post training and specialization in clinical health psychology. I've worked for nearly three decades in nursing homes, physical rehabilitation, medicine facilities, and hospitals, including the VA, and now I'm in private practice. I've also trained physicians and other providers as an adjunct clinical faculty member at Neomed. My entire career has been focused on helping individuals on all sides of the healthcare system patients, loved ones, and medical providers. I must start by saying, that this testimony has been difficult because what I'm reporting to you is simply widely agreed upon, research supported, clinically evidenced, ethically and humanly understood fact. Isolating highly vulnerable individuals and denying them access to people who care for, love, and advocate for them is among the most detrimental things we can do to people. It is deadly, it is wrong. You don't need an expert to tell you that. Yet here we are. Physical illness and disease are stressful experiences for patients, residents of facilities, their loved ones, and health care providers. Sickness compromises decision-making, emotional regulation, and problem-solving capacities, making patients highly vulnerable. They need someone present to speak and care for them, and patient advocacy is recognized and agreed upon as the necessary component to protect against this vulnerability.
1: So, uh, again, this is just so critical uh, that we have this uh, bill, the Never Alone Act, House Bill 236. We can't ever allow that to happen again in the state of Ohio. I want to direct you to our website of the Ohio Christian Alliance. The bill is there. You'll see the icon, Never Alone Act. You'll see a picture of Representative Miller, Representative Lear, and also uh, you'll be able to click on that and read the bill. You can click here to read the bill. Also, the bill's analysis. Pastor Al and I will be going to an interested party meeting this week uh, to talk to the chairman of the committee and also other interested parties. We need to get this bill moving in the Ohio House. What can you do? Call your state representative and tell them, urge them to support the Never Alone Act House Bill 236. And uh, then, as we pass it out of the House, hopefully we'll get it over to the Senate. We're going to need you to make some calls then as well. Pastor, real quick, your thoughts in closing.
2: Oh, absolutely. We need people to pray for this because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, the Bible says, fails much. And, And this is going to need prayer to get this through. And we saw a good bill die in the Senate in the past, and we can't let that happen again.
1: We cannot let that happen again, and we can't let the tragedy of what happened to our elderly, to our most vulnerable, to those folks in the hospital facilities. We recently, as a family, just went through this with my youngest daughter, who's 22. Uh, It was discovered that she had a large tumor in her spine. She was in the hospital for 21 days, had a major surgery, and she was never alone, Pastor Al, but I couldn't help but think if there was some kind of medical emergency that kept us out, We had to be advocates for her. My daughter, who's a a critical care nurse, my wife, who's a nurse, my son-in-law, who's a a physician assistant, and of course, uh, as a father at age age 22, yes, I'm still advocating. And we were overseeing her care and praying for her. And she was never alone, day or night. Someone, a family member, was always with her. And it was needed. Uh, 21 days in the main hospital. Then she went to us uh, to uh, a rehab facility. She's now convalescing at my daughter's house and getting stronger every day. We're thankful for that. But we just experienced this in real time, and folks, we've got to get this bill passed. We can never allow that to happen again. Again, the Never Alone Act, House Bill 236, on the Ohio Christian Alliance website, and it's currently in the Ohio House. Call your representative and urge them to support the Never Alone Act. Pastor Al, thanks for being my guest today.
2: Thank you, Chris, People, please, please pray.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Also, the uh, the offer of the of the month is the book For Their Honor. You can purchase it also on our website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening.
6: Join the Army National Guard and be there to respond, protect, and support your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station.
1: This is Chris Long, host of News and Focus, announcing my new book, For Their Honor, How the D-Day Prayer Was Added to the World War II Memorial. This book tells the 11-year story of how one of the largest mass prayers in history, was added to the World War II memorial. The D-Day prayer was one of FDR's fireside chats, but it stands alone as an incredible moment in American history. The date was June 6, 1944. Operation Overlord, the D-Day invasion of western France, was already underway by the Allied nations. News reports throughout the day were released from General Eisenhower's headquarters with short statements but with few details on what was happening with the landings and on the beaches of France. The American public anxiously awaited throughout the day to hear from President Roosevelt for more details on the historic invasion. What they heard that evening was a president inviting them to join him in prayer. This book will inspire and encourage your faith. You can order yours today at Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It will make a great Christmas gift.
6: The following is a previously aired broadcast.
0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
1: And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. At the Ohio State House today, House Bill 68 had a hearing in the Government Oversight Committee in the Ohio Senate state senator christina rogner chairs that committee and we want you to call your ohio state senator and urge them to support house bill 68 the ohio safe act which would ban the transgender radical agenda uh from being pushed in ohio schools it would uh ban the use of uh hormonal treatments of transitioning children uh from one sex to the other uh hormone blockers and uh, this will be a safeguard. This is only for minors. This doesn't uh, deal with adults, but it's Ohio Safe Act, House Bill 68. It's in the Ohio Senate. Again, State Senator um, Christina Rogner is the chair of that committee. State Representative Gary Click introduced the bill earlier this year. It has passed the Ohio House. It's now in the Ohio Senate. We need this to get passed in the Ohio Senate and sent to Governor DeWine's desk. And so uh, we're going to listen to an interview I conducted with State Representative Gary Click on this topic earlier this year. But good news is the bill is moving. Let's take a listen
7: to Representative Gary Click. Well, thank you, Chris. And and I want to say as we start, thank you for everything that you do uh, with the Ohio Christian Alliance just to get the good word out on this bill, other bills like it, and just to take a stand for what's right in our state to protect young people, to advance the cause of righteousness. Listen, we just we need more people like you out there doing this. So thank you very much.
1: Well, thank you, representative, and this is the second time that you've introduced this legislation. In fact, last uh, May, it's been it's coming up almost on a year now, and I saw the right. hearings online and uh when you heard the testimony of those who came in to basically talk about their own personal experience um of transitioning and then de- uh, transitioning back to their born identity of their gender, Uh, I tell you, it was heart-wrenching, Gary, and it was a great job on your part and the sponsors of this bill to bring those in uh, so the committee could hear in real time what people have actually experienced and, quite honestly, how they were exploited in a time of need when they needed some counseling to help them to strengthen them in their personal identity, and they may have had other comorbidities going on at the same time in their life. Uh, and I think science will prove that out in the studies, uh, that these are people that are vulnerable to begin with, and then there are those who exploit them to actually bring in this kind of gender confusion into their life. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And when the enemy brings in that kind of confusion on someone of their very basic nature of who God designed us to be, male and female, and um, that that's where real trouble begins. Explain to us how this bill that you're introducing will at least protect our minors here in the state of Ohio and our school children. And thank you for doing it.
7: Well, thank you, Chris. So the Ohio Safe Act, it's HB68, it was 454 last year and it prohibits the the concept or the idea of the practice actually of giving hormone blockers and cross-sex hormones to children as well as it prohibits any surgeries to the children. Um, and, you know, the, the Children's Hospital Association and same on them, uh, they were, they were really pushing hard against this bill, and the reason they push hard against this bill is because they make so much money out of exploiting these children. They want to say they want to act like they don't make money off of it, but the reality is, is Vanderbilt University Hospital was exposed for this and talking about how much money they made off of each procedure and the follow-up procedures. Uh, Doctor Rachel Levine. The uh, the who is part of the Biden administration, their emails that came out recently about how he yes, he uh, was out there advocating and talking about the return on investment, even if the children don't transition to adulthood. But if you can capture them in this as a minor, uh, it's a big problem. And so we're starting off with the hormone blockers. We want to block hormone blockers. Uh, if we didn't think about how that would come out, but blocking the blockers. Uh, And the reason we want to block that is because the hormone blockers is what's given to children when they start Tanner stage two of puberty and it interrupts their brain development right off the bat. That's the first thing they want to do. Now, the truth is, Chris, that 85 to 95% of kids who go through puberty, their gender dysphoria, their gender identity disorder will resolve naturally. And many kids have gender identity disorder for various reasons. Uh, and it's not, but the one reason it never is is because it's a boy's spirit trapped in a girl's body or vice versa. Many times they have other comorbidities. Almost always they have comorbidities, such as anxiety, uh, depression, autism, um, ADHD. And there's something else that's going on. And this uh, gender dysphoria becomes the escape for this. Whatever mental health issue that they're dealing with, so we should not belittle those children. We should not think poorly of those children. We should love those children. In fact, there have been many instances where the child struggles with this because they are, have suffered from abuse uh, from someone, and maybe someone close to them, maybe someone not. Uh, whether it's sexual abuse or just violence or something uh, such as that that enters into their life, and this becomes their escapism or their route out. There are times when the, it's the result of FDIA, which is factitious disorder and another. Uh, that used to be called Munchausen syndrome by proxy. And uh, someone in their life, there's a, a lady by the name of Amber Bingle, who describes how her daughter uh, told her that she was really a boy from the womb. And that appears on a TED Talk. And so it's, sometimes it's the mothers or the parents who are imposing this on their children I would not say every time, but there's many reasons a child suffers from this, but if they go through puberty naturally, 85 to 95% of them will self-resolve, but when you put them on puberty blockers, you disallow them from going through that natural process, that natural remedy, and that natural cure, and then what happens is these the physicians and the counselors will put them on Cross sex hormones or opposite sex hormones, or uh, pr- more appropriately, wrong sex hormones, which will further confuse that child. And uh, each time they go through this, there's a sense of euphoria that the child uh, gains in, in opposition to the dysphoria. You know, euphoria good, dysphoria bad. And so they get that sense of euphoria, but that euphoria wears off after a while. And then we have right here in Ohio, we have proof of this in Ohio. Uh, Young girls, as as young as 16 years old, are getting double mastectomies. Uh, And sometimes even after only one visit in counseling. And uh, that's horrendous. You know, and we we just recently had Chloe Cole. Now, Chloe's from California. She's not from Ohio. But science is the same. The experience is the same no matter what state you're in. And uh, she went through this. They were giving her testosterone from the age of 12. And then uh, at the age of 15... They gave her the double mastectomy, and then at the age of sixteen, she she kind of wakes up a little bit and she says, "What did you allow me to do?" And she began, and it was in a biology class where they were talking about you know mothers breastfeeding, and she thought, "You know what? I'll never be able to do that." And uh, and so she began to uh, detrans, and, and and she went back to her birth sex and so forth. And at the age of seventeen, she came to Ohio and testified. We were the first place that she testified. Now you can see her everywhere, all over the nation. She was just at CPAC recently speaking on this topic. And then I had her back uh, via Zoom just uh, about a week ago to uh, do a video interview with me, along with a a lady named Kelly from Ohio, who suffered gender dysphoria as a child. And we did that to bring attention to uh, D-Trans Awareness Day, which is March the 12th every year. And, in fact, we offered a a bill... Uh, this, this last week, on uh, D- to name March 12th as D-Trans Awareness Day uh, every year.
1: Well, we're talking with State Representative Gary Click of the 88th District. He's from the Fremont area. Uh, he's also a pastor, and as I've told him, his highest calling will always be that he's pastor and uh, the call of God, but he right. is bringing his morals And his uh, principals to the state house. And that's what we need men and women to do. You know, the legislature is made up of attorneys and uh, retired school teachers and businessmen. And there ought to be a few preachers down there. So uh, thank Mm -hmm. God we've had a few of you over the last few years. And Gary, I got to tell you, you take the heart of the children because, you know, in the ministry that you're in, uh, you know, obviously pastoring men and women, doing funerals, weddings. Uh, Chris, you know, uh, uh, you know, obviously dedic- child dedications and baptisms. You know, we see our young people, and you have a vibrant youth ministry, you have a Christian school, and it breaks your heart to see what our children are facing these days with the, this dysphoria of the age. Uh, basically, Satan's lie upon a generation. And basically, it is to really fight back against God. What's the very nature of who we are as individuals. Well, the very basic question demand who am I? Why am I here? (laughs) You know, where am I going? Well, uh, who am I? Well, God made us male and female, created he them. And he made us in in his image. So to to alter that is to take, is to destroy, to attempt to destroy the image of God, as he's made men and women each in their roles distinctively. And I, I tell you, it just so for our listeners and I I've got to say also you know as a as an older ohioan I never thought we'd be facing these kinds right. of things right but you know I right. I thank god that you're down there and you've really schooled yourself on a number of the terms and uh to into the science of it and the study and of course in america we're just now experiencing this as it's exploding on the scene and by the way I had Linda Harvey of Mission America on my radio program recently where she said, Chris, it's not 2 or 3%. We now have among our young people, because of the pr- prog- promulgation of this kind of uh, theory and philosophy right. and socialization, now it's 14 to 15% of our young wow. people identify as LGBTQ. So this thing is big, folks, and we need to get out in front of it. Thank God we have 40 co-sponsors supporting the SAFE Act, House Bill 68. Representative, you you will be having a hearing. Obviously, a sponsor hearing will eventually be coming, and then uh, proponent testimony. What will this look like this year? Uh, Last year, you did stellar. I mean, you had some great folks came in. And and really, thank God for these brave men and women to come in and testify to tell about their own stories, because it's so heart-wrenching, and it's very personal. And even some of the moms and dads whose hearts have been broken of their young people that have uh there were you know the school was advising them this they ran away they right. they're minors and it's like they altered their children's bodily functions i mean it's it's horrible tell us about that
7: yeah well first of all let me just say chris we would invite anyone that you're listening audience that has a personal experience with this to reach out to us cuz it happens to people of all sorts and, and christians and as well as anyone else and so please reach out at r e p that's rep 88 at OhioHouse.gov and, and tell us your story. Uh, and we'd like to incorporate you into this. But one of the things that we know, and, and also if you're a physician or a professional, but it's hard many times to get people to testify in these things because it's, it's kind of scary standing up in front of people and, and telling your story. And we run into that. And I, I, I know some other folks right here in Ohio that have considered testifying and they said, well, you know, I just want to focus forward and I don't want to relive the past, and we don't try to coerce anyone into it. But there are people who are really have you know, experienced that, and and really they talk about having PTSD from it, uh, from those experiences, and from being lied to, and from the abuse and so forth. And uh, they want to move on. But we have great support here in the house. The last GA was more of an educational time, bringing people up to speed on this difficult subject. We had 25 sponsors last year and uh, they all thought that was that was big but this year we got 40 we only need 50 votes to pass it and so and i know there were people who did not uh, co-sponsor it but they have told me they support it and that they will be there for us and that we can get this across the finish line and into the senate into the house and then uh, i believe the governor will sign this and, and there's and been a number of other this.
1: yeah there's been a number of other states recently that have taken action i believe tennessee uh, utah Uh, What are some of the other states that are moving forward with
7: this kind of legislation? Well, I know it
1: just passed.
7: Yeah, it was several states. I know it just passed in Kentucky uh, from the House. Now it's in the Senate, and they're a little concerned in in the Senate. Uh, Kelly, who was on the video we just did, uh, she went down there and testified. They saw the video, and I don't know if you're able, maybe you want to put that video in your show notes uh, for the podcast but uh there, or you can just check out my social media or my YouTube, and the video is there where we can talked with uh, Chloe, but
1: we also I, we are going to put that up on our website, and we will put it in an yeah. email, and we'll also have the written testimony last year of Helena Kirshner, kirchner she her testimony was fantastic, and oh, she was my, from cincinnati twenty three year old and i I tell you yeah. it was po- she was
7: very she was very well spoken, so she was we'll tremendously have... well spoken and and here's the thing that happened. Uh, Chris, is in testimony. We actually had one of the Democrats just blow up at her. So I don't know why we're even talking about this. It's a small number. It's insignificant. Well, it might be insignificant if it's not you, but when it's you and when it's your body that's been destroyed and your life that's been destroyed and your children and your family has been destroyed, it's not insignificant. And they try to minimize the experiences of these young people. And if I had to say, how many children are you willing to sacrifice for your own ideology. Uh, There is no, this is contraindicated by science and by medicine,
2: but they want to push
7: their ideology on these kids for their own ideological purposes. It's horrible.
1: Yeah, and thank God they're in the minority, uh, you know, because uh, that reasoning is just ridiculous to even say that to those people that came in the room so bravely and shared their testimonies of uh what the tragedy is of this whole thing and of course they're there to speak for the narrative of uh you know a very um the transition, you know, uh transition LGBTQ agenda meaning the democrats. Right. And you know what folks, we're just going to call them out. When a lie is a lie, we're going to call it out. We're going to tell you what the truth is. And you know, uh look, it's it's funny Gary, you know, it's like I've had people from the time I was uh, saved uh, a man that came out of the homosexual lifestyle. Yeah, he was actually uh, one of the ones who led our Bible study way back then. Uh, you know, they cheer me on in the work that we mm-hmm. do. All yeah. these years later, um, we've had uh, former homosexuals on our, our on our board. You know, that's a, you know, in the point of it is people come out of these lifestyles uh, because, right. as Paul said, if such were some of you, but we've never seen the ability now where medical science is willing to alter the medical or the physical being of women and and castration of young people. Uh, Thank God for Walsh is out there. He's out there uh, basically blowing this thing up. But we do have doctors in this state. Uh, One of the things that your committee did was outed one of the medical practices in Columbus, uh, just by testimony, that was actually doing this. Tell us about that.
7: Well, they weren't only doing this; uh, they were actually exposing children to pornography as well. And uh, and the, so, it was nationwide hospital was doing this. They put the kids out there. They had a special website, and they were linking them uh, to uh, this group that would also link them to you know sex toys and videos about how to uh, you know perform fellatio and how to strip striptease and things like that. And uh, they were, you know, we, they, we, were, we exposed them for that in committee. And ironically, they didn't take it down until a week later when the Columbus Dispatch called and they said, hey, we want to do a story on this. And we sent them all the links and they followed the links. And, and, you know, congratulations to Haley B. Miller from the dispatch. She covered it honestly. And uh, she, I asked her, I said, did you follow the links? She said, yes. I said, what do you think? She says, well, I thought it was disturbing. And so you, you, we don't always get the press to work with us on our side. But she saw it for what it was, and she exposed it. And when she exposed it, they took it down uh, because the press made something out of it.
2: But the hard part is,
7: Chris, is the, the press, uh, and I, I won't speak for every reporter, but many of the reporters, they don't want to cover this. They didn't wanna, They don't want to interview Chloe. Uh, I have Scott Nugent here. Scott is actually a female uh, who transitioned at the age of 42, was featured in Matt Walsh's video, what is a woman? And uh, and and we don't talk, talk. We're not tackling stuff that people do when they're adult. We're not tackling uh, their their sexual preferences. Uh, we're not tackling you know whether they're gay, lesbian, or by the fact is, many of the gay and lesbian people are the ones who are the victims of this. And you know Scott says he's a lesbian trans man. While well, Scott used to be a beautiful woman named Kelly, but uh, her partner. Didn't want to be known as a lesbian, so she talked Scott into transitioning, or Kelly into transitioning into Scott. And then when it was all said none done, left Scott. And and so many of these, I'm just reading a book right now that just came out because in England and other places they're shutting these clinics down. And one of the things that they say is the cause of it is actually uh, homophobia, which I you know I don't necessarily buy into that word, but for what we're talking about here, you can understand this is that there are parents who actually look at the children and say. I would have, rather have a straight trans child than a gay son or a lesbian daughter. And so parents are sometimes using this as a form of conversion therapy. Uh, and so you, the victims of this are, are people who are sometimes same-sex attracted, and they're told, well, rather than be same-sex attracted, you just need to change your sex. And, and it's a wicked world we're in where you can't just love somebody. You know, I'm not saying anything that you wouldn't think I'd say. But you got to be able to love people and not tell them you got to go get surgery in order to be themselves. It's not authentic if it requires a syringe and a scalpel.
1: We're talking with State Representative Gary Click of Ohio's 88th District, and we're talking about the SAFE Act. And it has uh, 40 co-sponsors in the Ohio House, and this will protect our minor children from the transitioning or the transgender movement. Uh, Gary, what we see with the Biden administration in public schools is actually trying to indoctrinate our children from a very early age. And the uh, Department of Education under the Biden administration has been pushing these materials. So this is happening with uh, parents in real time of what it's actually kind of exploded during the Biden administration. Uh, They get federal dollars into
7: the school districts and they're pushing the agenda. Your thoughts on that? Uh, not only pushing the agenda, tell- they were telling uh, people that if they did not participate in that agenda, that they would lose their milk money. And they'd take away, you know, the uh, the free lunches for kids in their schools. And what kind of a bully does that? You know, I spoke up at the State Board of Education on that, took a bottle of milk in there with me, and I said, who steals milk, milk money from kids? Presidents do- don't do that. Punks do that. And uh, not everybody likes that I had that to say, but we have to stand up for our kids, Chris, and that's what you're doing, and that's what I'm doing. And the fact is, is you know, and I, I'm careful how I present this um, because really we know what the Bible says, but we don't have you know. And, and in church, that's great. And here, I avoid the religious connotations because of you know people were going to want to say I'm pushing my religion, and that's a great way to get the bill overturned. And the the truth is is, you know, if God says it, then it's also true scientifically. And so we use the scientific evidence to support this bill because the science is there. Uh, There is no science that tells us, they all want to say I'm pushing my religion. And I say, you're the ones with the religion here. You're the ones that believe a boy's spirit is in a girl's body or vice versa. I'm just going by the science. Your DNA never changes. You know, it's either X X or XY. You cannot change that. It's impossible to change that. And everything that you do, I mean, listen, these these boys who take this to become girls, they have a loss of bone density. Many of them have osteoporosis. These girls, their spines are not fusing together. Uh, they have a higher risk of heart attacks, stroke, cancer. They have lifelong complications. Scott Nugent has infections all the time, all the time. Scott was experiencing an infection when she was here and, and just... The health complications and the health risks do not justify what they are doing, but it's more profit-driven. They make money off of it, and they're pushing the agenda. They are not looking out for the best interests of these children, which is why the Tavistock is closing down in London. It's why they're closing these clinics down in in, uh, in, uh, uh, Finland. It's why they're closing them down in France. It's why they're closing them down in Sweden. Everywhere that was got there before we did, they're looking at the results. This is the most, to me, one of the most significant results is that you are... That's right, and that's why we're going to shut it down here in
1: Ohio. We're going to shut it down here in Ohio. We're going to rally around House Bill 68, the SAFE Act, with Representative Gary Click. Thank you, Representative, for being our guest today on the program.
2: Thank you, Chris.
1: God bless you, my friend. We'll be praying for you. And thank you you all for listening. If you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at OhioCA.org. And we'll also have the testimonies up of these people as well on this issue.
0: You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at OhioCA.org. That's OhioCA.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.